0: Thanks for joining us today, and our um, our, littles, our little guys are uh, invited to join the kids' table for a special time of, of teaching in their special classes, too, so they're dismissed with their, their adult leaders there for some good, good stuff. They had a good golf outing yesterday, mini golf. I was told that at water golf, if you go to City Island, there is a groundhog named Frank, that you can visit and feed, and who is very tame, and they told me all about it. So anyway, welcome to Table Life Church. We are glad that you're here today. Um, I'm especially glad. um, I'm Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, if you're new, welcome. We're glad that you chose to be with us on this Father's Day. And um, and those of you guys online too, um, hello. We are glad that you're here. Um, and so um, we've been in this message series we started a couple weeks ago um, called Different. And um, we're in basically part three, one of the middle parts. Um, it's gonna be six parts total, but um, we're in part three of a message series on the book of 1 Peter, if you're not sure what that is, Book of First Peter is a little little book in the New Testament scriptures. So it comes after Jesus in the Bible, and um, and we're going through this entire book. It's a short little book that you can read in in a short period of time on your own. I invite you to check that out. But um, but a little a background um, just to refresh your memory. If you've been with us, is your first time, just to kind of get you on the same page. Um, the Apostle Peter is the author of the the Book of First Peter, Book of First and Second Peter, and and, um, and Peter... Peter was writing at this time um, to a group of persecuted Christians in about the year like 60, 65-ish. So think like 30, 35 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he was writing to this group of persecuted Christians in these, these five regions, different churches, people that were gathered at the time. And at the time, there was Roman occupation going on. So the Romans basically were in control of everybody in that known region. And there was an evil emperor we would call him evil because of some of the things that he did. But his name was Nero. His name was Nero, and he caused all kinds of problems. He killed lots and lots of people, even his own family members. Um, and he, he actually set his own city of Rome on fire. And then he blamed it on the Christians. He blamed it on the Christians, and because of that, things got worse for the Christians. They were being persecuted at the time. Um, and so Peter's writing this letter to give them hope. To give them hope. He's writing them to give them hope because he's, he's telling them that despite what's going on in your circumstances, despite what you see in front of you, God's at work in you and in your life. And throughout the letter, he's basically telling them, encouraging them to be different. To be different. And the word that we talked about last week that kind of means different is holy. You may have heard of that word before. But holy, to be set apart for a specific purpose. To be different than everybody else around you. And the, the first century Christians, they took this super seriously. I mean, they, they bucked the trends. They went and they they helped people that were not supposed to be helped. They went to the streets where they would people would actually throw infant babies that they didn't want. And they would take them into their households. There were women who were widows that were trying to scrounge together what they could do to afford things. And these Christians would take them into their homes and help supply their needs. And so He's telling them to be different. And so he, he's in a way he's speaking to these people at that time, but he's also speaking to us too. So so if you if you identify as a follower of Jesus, he, he's saying to us as well that that you have a different identity. You have a different character. You have a different, you're a different person, you're a different you you have a different use of your resources, different, we talk about different thinking and kind of mental models that we get into that we're called to, we are called to be different. So that's kind of like setting the stage for where we've been and what we're talking about here. But the question I want to talk about today, the question I want to ask you today and answer today in this message is this question of calling. Calling. What is God calling you to do? I was going to end this in a non-grammatical appropriate way. Or What is God calling you to? Which you're not supposed to like end a sentence with like a to or something. So what is God calling you to? What is God's calling for you? I mean, so so just a show of hands. How many of you would be like super excited if all of a sudden like today you got like a message from God calling you to do something specifically? Just like show of hands. If you like a message like right now text message from God it says God and you're like, "Yeah." Right? You're like, "Yeah, of course I would." Right? I'm like completely in. And so we're going to kind of talk about that today. And, and the thing is, throughout the book of First Peter, if you read it over and over, you tend to see a word, words over and over. He uses these words, call and calling and called. And so think about this. Isn't this true? When, when you've been called to do something, when someone calls you up, to do something, something that's like amazing or or something that is beyond what you thought you might do in your life. Isn't it true that when somebody calls you to do something, doesn't it embolden you? It makes you feel like valuable. It it, it makes you feel empowered in a way, right? Um, I mean, for me, uh, the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this was how in sixth grade, in sixth grade, I was called to be part of the safety patrol at school. <laughs> yes. That's, that's on, honestly what came up. So, so I don't know anybody familiar with safety patrol? Anybody part of safety patrol? Proud hands here. Yeah, proud hands. Online post that. Yes, you are proud of being part of the safety patrol. If you don't know what the safety patrol is, you get a special little vest thing that you put around your belt. Yeah, like kind of like this. And like the badge that goes across. I was called and set apart to be a part of the sixth grade safety patrol. And so what that meant was I got to leave class early, at dismissal time, I got to leave class early and walk down, we were, my class in sixth grade was like in a trailer that was adjacent to the, the school building. So we had to walk down through the trailer, down the ramp to the in, interior of the school. And I got to stand at the corner in the hallway when they were dismissing buses. And it was amazing because if I saw somebody running I would call you out, set you straight, I would exhort you in that hallway and I would command you to walk, therefore, to the, your bus. And it was just like an amazing experience. And then another thing I got to do, at a fire drill, fire drill time, I got to be the one that when the fire alarm went off and everybody's lining up and going out, I got to go in to the bathrooms. And I got to check to see if anybody was trapped in the bathroom stalls to make sure that everyone was safe in the raging fire in the building and then go outside. And, and, and I don't know about you, if there, maybe there's a time in your childhood or even more recently, you know, that you were just like so excited. I mean, you could tell like I have just fond memories of this. Um, but, but something, there's something about being called that just, it, it encourages you, it Put some energy in you, it empowers you. And there's something that's about being called that makes it worth the struggle as well. When you know you're called to something, even if it's a struggle, it's still worth it. So I want to show today that that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are called to something different. And and the thing is, sometimes we throw around this word, right, call, calling, we throw it around, and a lot of times people like wonder specifically, they they ask the question like, yeah, what am I called to do? Like, what is like the next step thing that I'm supposed to do? Well, I want to talk first just about three different kinds of calling, three kinds of calling that we find in Scripture, like in real life, that kind of thing. um, And the first is, is an eternal call to Christ. Christ. So three kinds of calling. First is an eternal call to Christ. So, so God, God's will is that every, he wants everyone to say yes to his extended invitation of grace through Jesus. That he wants everybody, everybody on board to be a part of his kingdom now and into eternity. And that means trusting him that he, he calls us one by one. And, and Peter, you think about the Apostle Peter. He's the one that's writing this. I mean, he was like, like Jesus' go-to guy. He journeyed with Jesus for three years. I mean, he knew what it was like to be called by Jesus, to have that eternal call. Um, in Luke chapter 5, there's a story where Jesus comes up to Peter, who's a fisherman. And Peter had been fishing the whole night and hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus, the carpenter, of course, comes up and says, hey, why don't you go out again and throw the nets out on the other side? And it was kind of a low point in Peter's ministry, or Peter's life, because here he is, a carpenter, a rabbi, is telling the professional fisherman what to do. But he does go out anyway, and Peter does it anyway. And so because of that, there's, he has a miraculous catch. He has all these fish he lugs in. And then he goes and kneels before Jesus and says, you know, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And, And And Jesus says to Peter, he says, hey, Peter, from now on, you're no longer just fishing for fish. You're going to be what? Fisher of men. A fisher of men. Come and follow me. And that's a turning point for Peter because he goes out. Jesus calls Peter out, out from where he was to where he wanted him to go, to be a follower of Jesus out of that sense of love. And so Peter continued to journey with Jesus even after Jesus ascended to heaven. It's that eternal call to Christ that we're invited to. But then there's another part of calling. There's a second kind of calling too. And, And sometimes we talk about this. Most of the time we talk about this kind of calling. It's a temporary call to an assignment. A temporary call to an assignment. Those kinds of calls, it's kind of like my safety patrol call. Like a specific job or duty. And this is often what makes people super excited. It's a particular role. It's what you're gifted or wired to do. God wants you to do. I mean, can you think for a minute, like, can you remember like a phone conversation or an email you got or a conversation that that you said yes to that changed your life? A specific call. A specific call. I mean, Peter, Peter, he had the call to lead the church after Pentecost. He has this conversation with Jesus that we see in the, in the Gospels where Jesus says, that on you, Peter, you, know, you are going to be the rock on which I build my church, my ecclesia, this community of followers. And, and that call, the call that we experience as an assignment, I can say this, it can change over time. I've known people in my life People that are followers of Jesus that, that had different calls at different periods in life. Um, you may have, be a, have a call to be a chemist. I have a friend that did this. He was a professional chemist. He worked for one of the pharmaceutical companies. And then God called him to be a teacher. He went back to school and he teaches high school. Um, I have uh, several friends that were called to be pastors and then had a change in ministry or uh, went to be a a chaplain at at a hospital. You know, there's different seasons in life. Um, Some some of us might be called to be uh, parents or foster parents. And actually in a couple weeks, we're going to have a special event, a special lunch for anybody that might be interested in learning more about what it means to be a foster parent. And there can be seasons of calling in your life to be a student for one season and then maybe step into a different role. Or maybe you feel called to serve or you feel called to move to a specific location. And usually when we're talking about calling, we usually talk about this one. You know, there's the eternal call to Christ, but then there's that temporary call to an assignment. But then there's a third call. There's a third kind of call. And that's a a daily call. A daily call to a higher standard. A daily call to the high road. And let me say this. This call is one that transcends all the rest. This one is a wherever call. Wherever you are whether you're where you want to be or where you don't want to be. That the wherever call, it comes first and it transcends the specific assignment. It transcends whether the circumstance is good, bad, ugly, somewhere in between. It means that you have a different boss, no matter who your real earthly boss is. It means that you have a different expectation than the world around you. It's a daily call to taking the high road, no matter what. So Peter, Peter is writing to persecuted Christians at this time, who were tempted to be drawn into or drawn back into their culture standard, and because of that, they were really hated for it. They were taking that daily call very, very seriously. And and by the way, if you think that you know, which is this is true, there's Christians around the world that are persecuted and are hated today. It was nothing compared to the first century. I mean, we talked about Nero. He's like lighting people on fire and stringing them up to the wall. Like that's really bad, right? But but one of the things that the society at their time that they just really had no idea who followers of Jesus were. Like what they actually did, what they were about. And maybe there's been at some point in your life you've been like, what does it mean? Like what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? And so people. Secular people, pagan people um, saw Christians and they really didn't know why these people were like following this dead guy. Really, that's what they were thinking about. And so they they misunderstood them. They misunderstood them. And so they misunderstood them and they had different assumptions about Christians. And, And mainly their assumptions fit into three categories. They really called them superstitious, incestuous cannibals. That's what people of the first century thought Christians were superstitious incestuous cannibal so superstitious Jesus was this like magician guy he did miracles like he caused food he could made healings he did like so they're like oh he's like a magic person right and Jesus probably some kind of head magician in some way incestuous they called each other brother and sister who does that right ew that's gross they had these, these meetings, these gatherings, they called them agape meetings, they called them love feasts, incestuous, that's what people assumed, like this is like gross, right? And then they called them cannibals because at those meetings, they would celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper and say, take and eat, and part of the words of institution that we, we call, they would say the words, take and eat, this is my body, they're eating people, People looking in saw them as superstitious, incestuous cannibals, which is why, which is why, in 1 Peter, in the second chapter, Peter says this. He reminds these persecuted Christians, he says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, this is the part to underline, guys. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. He's saying that you are are filled with the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And so we're called, therefore, to make a difference in this world. But we're not different alone. We're different together. He called you, you all, yins, whatever you want to say, you guys. He called you all out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You're called to a higher standard, told to take the high road because you belong to God. You have a higher authority here. And most today, you know, we would probably agree that most people today, uh, friends of ours, neighbors, whoever, would, would, don't really think anymore about being superstitious, incestuous cannibals. Like, we wouldn't say that people think that Christians are those. But there are other words that people would use to describe Christians. You know, things like self righteous judgmental, intolerant, hateful, phobic, in all kinds of ways, bigots, right? Maybe you've heard those kinds of things that people have said before as far as describing Christians. And I have to say, tragically, there are Christians who have rightly earned those titles. <laughs> uh, but, but this is the image that we are up against. This, that was the image they were up against, but this is the image we are up against, and meaning that, that we have to show that we're different than that. We're better than that, taking the high road. And so Peter's saying to the first century Christians, he's saying, this is your different daily calling to represent Jesus to a skeptical world. Don't sink to what everybody else is doing. And so because of that, he, he describes this what this daily call looks like. And first, he, the way he describes it is, first, a call to be honorable, A call to be honorable. It's a wherever you are kind of call to be honorable. And he says this in in verse 11 and 12. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, we talked about that the first week, sojourners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your what? Your honorable behavior. And they will what? Give honor to God when he judges the world. See, notice what Peter doesn't say here. He doesn't say, try to convince your unbelieving neighbors to believe like we believe. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, we're going to show them instead what we believe by how we behave. How we treat one another, how we serve, how we're a part of this new kingdom. And so so often we have to recognize that we have to earn credibility with people by treating with love, with respect, with grace, with honor, with justice, before we earn the right to be heard. And that's as, as Christians, that's so important for us to recognize today to live honorably first. To ask before we do something, is this or respond to someone, is this the honorable thing to do? Is this the honorable path? And, and I have to say, there are many here that um, are doing the honorable thing right now. It's a costly honorable thing. Setting aside your interests for a child in need. Um, putting uh, your, putting your, your future, your desires to the side that way you can be with an elderly parent. Talked to somebody recently that's literally moving across the state to be and to serve with a, a parent that is, whose health is deteriorating. That's an, honorable, that's an honorable thing to do because honorable can be costly. Honorable might mean letting go of something, letting go of being right. And, and I have to say, like, you know, all of us at some point, we, like, we need to vent to people too. You know, there's times when things go wrong in our lives and we need to vent, but we have to ask, like, the way we're venting, is that honorable? We have to be careful about that about who and how we're venting to people. Like, is this demonstrating Jesus's love? You know, notice Peter also doesn't say here. He doesn't say the word, he doesn't tell them that, make sure you get defensive to your neighbor. He doesn't say that either. You know, I once had a coach say, maybe if you've been in sports, you had a coach say too, that the best defense is what? A good offense. The best defense is a good offense, the best defense is always a good honor. Instead of getting defensive, no, no, you have a track record here of being honorable, you know. And and that's the thing. Like you know, I'm criticized. Like, do you think I'm ever criticized as a pastor? Of course, like all the time. I could be chasing after things, and you know, our church sometimes can be criticized, you know. But instead of defending and telling people like we're not a cult, you're stupid, like that'd be one way to go about it, right? We're not a cult, you're stupid. Like you'll never see me do that. You know, instead, we're going to just continue being who we are, loving people, serving people, being sacrificial for one another. You know, uh, we, we're, we don't want to be known for what we're against. We're going to be known for what we're for. And, and so Peter says this. He says this. He says, submit. he continues, he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Remember who he's talking to here people who were accused of burning the city down by their evil emperor. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority, holy cow, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. It's God's will that your honorable lives, your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Think about who he's talking to. He's talking about Emperor Nero here. The people that just accuse them of burning down the city, of setting fire. But he's saying the emphasis is not there. It's on the way you live. The way you live is what silences people that want to make trouble for you. I mean, and you and I have this struggle, right? You know, have you ever wanted to jump in and, and put away somebody who started spreading rumors about you? Have you ever wanted to jump in and try to put out like fires or correct people and say, no, that's not the way it is? Or, and many times, though, the best thing to do, as hard as it is, is to do nothing, is to do nothing, to so depend on God, depend on the honor, the honorable peace, depend on God's justice. And God will fight your battles. I only have to stand still. See, Peter goes on to say, You know what you're going to be called to do? You know what you're called to do here? He continues in verse 16. He says, live as free people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's servants. So show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. He says, servants, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also those who are harsh for it's commendable if someone bears up under pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it? This is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Second part of that daily wherever call is a call to always do good, to always do good. See, Peter reminds everyone, so the whole servant thing, first he says, reminder here, you know whose servants you are? You're God's servants first. You're God's servants first. Despite whatever earthly masters that you might have, you are God's servants first. And then he goes on this piece here to address servants. In some translations it says slaves, but the, the word that's actually used is not dulos, which is usually used for slaves, but it's actually servant okotai, which which once again, this is not about condoning slavery by any means. But what he's saying here is saying, that those of you who are truly free in Christ, nobody can touch. He's saying those of you who are truly free in Christ aren't dependent on any human authority to determine your actions or your attitudes. No matter what happens to you, it's it's important to take that part to say, but you can always choose good. You can always do good. Jesus was the best person who ever lived, and guess what? He suffered, but he did good. Uh, Recently, there's a show that um, was on, I think it was on Disney Plus, Hulu. Uh, maybe you've seen it, it's called A Small Light. Is anybody familiar with this? It's a story of Anne Frank, but it's actually about the, um, the people that helped her and helped her family and hid, them for, hid the family for three years in the Holocaust. Great story, I highly recommend watching it. And, um, and the lady that um, w- was really the, like, the main character in the story, she's a real lady, lived till 100 years old. Um, her name is Miep G- uh, Gies. And, um, and she herself came from a background where she had been uh, surrendered after the First World War. She actually moved to Amsterdam um, as a child sent by her family who was starving at the time. It's a really interesting story. And um, the thing is, Meep worked for the Frank family and Frank's father, and um, and she was asked one day when things were getting really bad with the Nazis if she would help hide the family, and she unflinchingly said yes. And so she sacrificially was give, trying to get them food and, and doing all sorts of things. And, um, and there's a, a quote that's um, attributed to her that, that she said, I believe it was after all this happened, um, when she was telling this story. Um, that, and she said this, um, that's, that's her up, up there on that screen. She says, even an ordinary secretary or a housewife or a teenager can, in their own way, turn on a small light in a dark room. Each of us each of us, to do the right thing, to do good, even if it's just this one little thing that's in front of you. Each of us has a part in that story. I mean, it may be saving a family, but it may, it may be treating a neighbor with respect. It may be getting groceries for someone. You know, there, there will be times too, though, that we have to understand that we will do good and we will suffer for it. it sometimes it comes with the, ter- with the turf, that you may suffer, that you may not please everyone in your life, you know, that's news for some of us, right? You may not get to make everybody happy. You may not get everything that you want in life. You may not get invited by certain people because of you doing good. But, but doing good is not dependent on how well we're treated or even what we receive from others. But he goes on to say here, Peter goes on to say, we have to look to our example. We have to look to our example in that. And who is our example? Jesus. Jesus, it all comes back to Jesus. And in this, he, he quotes Isaiah 53, 9, but he says, he goes on to describe, but what was Jesus in this call to always do good? He says in verse 22, he says, he never sinned, nor he ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who was always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body. It's on the cross that we can be dead to sin and live for what's right. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. See, Jesus didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He tried to get back and give one back to them. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. Instead, he left his case case in the hands of God who judges fairly. And and think about that. Think about for for us, like living for what is right. You know, just what, what Jesus did on our behalf and, and, and many of us know, like, there can be lots of people that do good things that don't believe in God, and, you know, and I think that's an amazing thing. I do believe that there's a little spark there of what God's intent is for us. But, but what Peter's saying here is that for believers, though, is that it takes it to a whole new level of different, a whole new level of different than just doing good things out of a feeling like you should, it's normal for people to curse those who curse us, to hate those who hate, hate us. What I call like lay some holy hands on some people that need it, right? And I'm not saying to bless them. <laughs> and that's the normal response. But then there's a, this key verse here that, that goes on into the next chapter. He says in verse three, chapter three, verse nine, he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with what? blessing. What? That's crazy. Pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, guys. That's what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. See, the the third thing we have to realize here is that a call is not dependent on people but on God. It's not dependent on people but on God. Uh, To say, we're not messengers of gossip, we're messengers of hope. You know, when people laugh at us, you show love. When people criticize, you show love. When you get in a war or you see people getting in a war online, you rise above it and you show love. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus, the sinless son of God, he didn't retaliate and he's our example. And that's where you have to ask yourself, you know, what message does my life right now send to those around me? Those that are looking in, what message does my life, how I conduct myself, what I value, who I'm depending on for validation, what does that message, what does that send to those around me? See, God has said, we've been called out of darkness and into light, and the light shines bright in a dark world. We're never afraid of the dark. We just shine brightly into it. Well, before I came here to Table Life Church, um, I served at a, a pretty large church in, in Virginia, in Fredericksburg, and um, there was a staff of pastors, there was a lead pastor, and then there were several pastors that had different ministry areas, and because of that, and because of the needs of the, the large congregation, um, we had something that was called Pastor on Call, now, pastor on call was this kind of cycle that we had, that different pastors had a different week of the month that you were the on-call pastor. And what did that mean? Well, if you're a doctor or if you're a nurse or worked in like social work or that kind of thing, um, you've heard that term before and you've probably experienced that to be on call, which means that you're the, peop- you're the person that the, the phone line goes to when there's an emergency. You're the person that if it's the middle of the night and there's a wreck and you have to go to the hospital or somebody's in need, you're the person that when there's somebody that needs to talk to somebody on a a Saturday, like you're the person that people would call on those days off. And, um, And it's not, I have to say, when you were the pastor, when I was the pastor on call, like it was like a very inconvenient times. But like there were kind of rules, too, that you couldn't really go anywhere. You couldn't be away that weekend. Like there were, there were things that were there that happened. Um, and I know those have been in the medical field. Like you've probably done that, too. Like um, my brother, he's a doctor. And there's been times he's been at dinner and has to leave, leave dinner out at a restaurant because of something. Um, and, and that's the thing. It was like being on call that no matter when or where, like, you, you were always in tune. You were always, like, looking. You are always open. Um, and so I want to say this, just to parallel this. In a similar way, wherever you are, you're on call. You're on call. Not just waiting for an assignment. Uh, not just waiting for a temporary calling to a job or a stage of life or a place that you want to be or, or an expectation. That wherever you are, you're on call. But you also have that daily, that, that different assignment, you know, that, that speaks volumes to those around you. And that's what this has to do. When you're on call, what you do speaks to those that are around you. You know, to say that you see a need to, to mow grass. You know, you see a need, instead of passing by, you say, boom, you know what? I'm stepping in there. I have a mower, and I'm going to start a mowing ministry, meaning that I'm going to mow this person's lawn, right? <laughs> like, um, or there's, you see someone hurting." And you, instead of walking by or you know thinking in your head like I'll pray for them, like you stop and ask like Can I can I pray for you? You know maybe maybe there's somebody that you don't agree with um, or or you know their history or whatever. You know don't let that stop you from being a blessing to them wherever you are. Every day waking up in the morning and saying God I'm all call today. Open my eyes to those opportunities at work and and with family in the neighborhood, like to say 24-7, like you're on call, but an amazing thing happens, people watch that. People see that, people sense that. That's not the reason why you do that, but to see every day as a mysterious, exciting, suspenseful call of God. So friends, your assignment may change. You may have to give up a dream to do the honorable thing. But nothing can change or take away your call to the high road. So you're on call. You're on call. On call to love, to serve, to give, to be a blessing to those who don't deserve it. Do you want that? Do you see it? Do you want to step into that? Is that part of what God's calling you to do? So let me pray for us.